On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to talk about our society and the way that it's affecting the church. Yeah, we think there's a lot of modern trends that uh, are affecting the church in not good ways, and we want to talk about some of them tonight. All right, it's going to be an interesting and important discussion, and we're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we welcome you to the virtual bible study for thursday february 7th 2019 my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is here hello dad great to be with you jacob good to be with you kyle's behind the controls kyle welcome it's good to be here glad you're here and glad that you're listening on the other end of the line tonight at 877-381-4567 questions at collegeview.com and in the chat room to the bottom of your video feed if you're watching us live on the program tonight if you're not if you're watching us in the archives maybe you're catching us on a podcast receiver somewhere on your uh, Apple iTunes or Apple, uh, Apple Podcast or something like that. We welcome your comments at any time at questions at collegeview.com. You don't have to be listening live to share your comments with us. We welcome them at any time. And we always are open to people who may even disagree with what we say. Uh, and if you would like to engage us on an important topic that maybe we have discussed or maybe we haven't discussed yet, uh, please let us We're know. We're actively looking or, for or, people who... Or would... have your preacher contact us. Yeah. We'd love to talk to him. Yes, yeah, so uh, contact us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you agree with us, say we're open to that as well. But you can just call in or email in and tell us where you're listening from. Yeah, or get in the chat room and say so. All right. All right. Uh, we don't have any news of upcoming events anytime in the immediately near future, so we don't have any of that to talk about, but we always offer our uh, uh, bumper stickers. If you want to get a bumper sticker and help us advertise the Virtual Bible Study, do that. Also, uh, look for vir- not the Virtual Bible Study, just Virtual Bible Study on Facebook. If you're not following us there, you can follow us there. We put our updates on Facebook. And if you will share that information with others uh, of your contacts, that will be helpful to us, too. So just get the word out about the Virtual Bible Study. All right. On to tonight's topic, uh, societal trends impacting the church. Well, we do think that there's some things that are going on in people's thinking, both morally and religiously, I don't know that those things are necessarily distinguishable, yeah, okay. but but in religious practice, there are some, some things going on. But also just in basic morality of our society, there are some things going on that are having an impact on the church. I always have thought that the church, the people in the church, uh, we're not out there leading the, the charge as, as people go about these changes societally. But unfortunately, we let those things drag us along. We sort of the, the, these these trends, and, and they're negative trends that we want to discuss tonight. But they tend to drag us along. We're not out there at the at the cutting edge, so to speak, but we are being pulled along, and we can't allow that. Uh, absolutely, I think about Romans chapter twelve, verse two: Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're told that we're not to be conformed to this world, and I would 
propose that that's a very passive thing. That if I'm not actively trying to be transformed, that I will, over time, become conformed to the world. If I'm not, if I'm not diligently saying I'm going to be different from the world around me, if it's not, an, it's not a goal of mine, it's not a priority, then over time I will become conformed to the world. And I think we're seeing that among Christians and, the ch- and churches today is that people are sort of eh, not too committed to being different from the world, and so they're going to be, over time, become like the world and follow these societal trends. I think you're exactly right. And we got to be really on guard about that. Uh, the idea of drifting uh, is 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 really applicable here in regards to our conduct and our beliefs and our practices as we serve the Lord. You know, it's not necessarily a purposeful move, but it's sort of like being in a in a, a river with current. Uh, and you know, the, the classic picture is there's a waterfall out there, and we're just playing along in the boat, maybe fishing, talking, carrying on. We don't realize that we are drifting into a danger zone that we might not be able to reverse the danger if we get close enough to that waterfall. So the idea of drifting, I think, is very appropriate. Drifting is typically dangerous. We do not want to drift. We want to stay anchored uh, solidly in the Word of God. And it's a passive thing as well. When we're not actively fighting against that current, then we will drift. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you're drifting in the river, not to get too far off the point here, but when you're looking at the boat or you're just looking at the water around you, you don't know that you're moving. Yeah. You, you have to have a, a fixed point, and that fixed a, point. A point of reference. A yeah. point of reference. That yeah. is the Word of God, and we've got to be, keep coming back to that. I think you're exactly right. Good, right. Good, uh, good analogy there. All right, so he, uh, to our update list earlier today, we sent out six categories, and I might add a seventh one if we have time. Oh, uh, can you do in that? In fact, probably I should have added this one, but I had it in my notes, and I didn't put it uh, uh, in this list. All right. Uh, but the, the, the points, discussion points that we sent out earlier to our discussion uh, or to our update list. And remember, you can get on our update list if you're not by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Questions at collegeview.com. College View is spelled funny. C-O-L-L-E-G-E. College View. V-U-E. Collegeview.com. Uh, and just say, add me to the list and you'll get an update on Thursday about what we intend to talk about. And to our update list today, we send out these areas of concern. Number one, tolerance and acceptance of various denominations and their doctrines. Number two, subjective rather than objective faith. Number three, changes in women's roles. Number four, erosion of marriage. Number five, gimmick-based evangelism. Number six, contemporary worship. We've we got to define what, that. What's the bonus one tonight? Well, I had made a note, and I, I overlooked it when I typed this up. I was going to talk about watered-down teaching on morality. Okay. All right. Uh, in fact, we might just start with that. You know, one, one of the problems that leads to a lot of these other problems is that we're not being diligent to to preach the whole counsel of God. When Paul, in Acts chapter 20, when Paul was meeting with the Ephesian elders, he said, I uh, I did not fail to teach the whole counsel of God. Uh, And so we we need to do that. I'm afraid that we we have a a watered-down trend when it comes to what we're preaching. That quote, by the way, from Paul, uh, he says, in Acts twenty twenty six, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Acts twenty twenty seven. Yep. Uh, 
if if we're not teaching, and and some of these things are not popular, and and people don't necessarily like to hear it all the time, and and I got to tell you, as a preacher, we don't necessarily like to preach on these things, but they're necessary. But when we water down the message on things like social drinking, dancing, immodesty, when we when we water that down to the point that people are not getting the proper admonition in these important areas of morality, we're going to we're going to drift. It reminds me of Second Timothy chapter four, verse three. For the time will come when they will when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things endure afflictions, do the work of an advantage, make full proof of thy ministry. There's a time coming, I think the time's here, obviously, when people don't want to hear the sound doctrine yeah. of the gospel. And what they do is they they find people who will teach it and preach it the way they want to hear it. And can we say that if we don't ever hear a lesson that makes us uncomfortable, then perhaps the preacher has been hired Chicken to ears. tickle some ears here? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we could do a little online survey here. We've got several people in the chat room. Real quickly in the chat room, let, let's do this first. Tell me if you remember in the congregation where you attend, tell me if you remember a sermon on social drinking. When was the last time or do you remember any time when there was a sermon preached on social drinking? We'll just take a, take little, a, little, poll. On, a little poll, online poll. So if you're in the chat room, do you remember, can you recall a sermon where you attend uh, that addressed what is a obviously big issue, social drinking. Because as we've pointed out on the virtual Bible study, it seems that there's a, a, a real softening of, of opposition against that moral uh, dilemma, and and it's, it's causing problems. All right, 877 Real quick, say, say never, say one year, two years, three years. That's all you have to say. You don't right. have to say anything else. But it, it, is, it is happening, and it's happening in churches around the world yeah. these these teachers who have uh they, they've perfected the art of tickling the ears and folks are happy to sit there and have their ears tickled all right first first response to our online poll Stephen says can't remember one all right there, remember. there you go so well uh, let's let's uh keep keep that coming i like to know. uh randy in michigan says a long time ago well that's the problem randy we're not doing it currently uh, and we've got we've got a new generation of Christians coming up who are not hearing those kinds of truths. Okay. Uh, send us in your responses in the chat room. All right. Uh, so let's go to the first one that I that I did put on the list okay. and sent to our update list. Well, you can do the bonus first. I hope yeah. people will stay with us. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, uh, Dwight says it's been a month ago. He gave the lesson himself. Good Thank for you, Dwight. Dwight. Way to do it. That. Way to go, Dwight. Uh, First, first area of concern, a, a trend that seems to be affecting the church negatively, uh, tolerance and acceptance of various denominations and their doctrines. Um, there, there really does seem to be that sort of thing. Uh, you know, there, over several recent decades, there's been some really radical voices that have been urging us to, you know, blend in with the denominations. I don't know how many of our listeners will remember the names Carl Ketcherside and Leroy Garrett. Back when I was a young preacher, they were a couple of guys in the Churches of Christ who were urging, you know, unity with 
the denominations, yeah. uh, sort of overlook our differences. They, 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 at that time, coined the phrase unity in diversity. We are diverse, that is, we don't believe and practice the same things, but we can be united anyway. Uh, that has, their initial work along those lines has just mushroomed. Uh, again, it's been several years ago, uh, uh, but the idea by it was, presented by Max Licato in one of his books, simply he said, if I find a man who calls God Father, I see him as a brother. Well, that's just about as wide open as you can possibly get. Right. Uh, but but that's one of the things that is a problem. And, and now... Again, somebody says, ah, yeah, well, that's just extremist. That's just some very extreme cases. It's actually not. It's had an impact on the church. I'll give you a personal uh, example of that. Just recently here at College View on Wednesday nights, we have been been studying denominationalism. Actually, we've been looking at some of the various mainline denominations, what were their, what were their, uh, origins and practices from, uh, and, you know, we're just trying to get a handle on what these folks do, and we've been making comparison to the Bible, uh, on various topics of their doctrines. When we started that study, we had a fellow here at College View who, you, I, I've watched his face as I was teaching the class, it just, he, oh, you could tell he was just incensed by us teaching on that. And uh, he left and never came back. He never came back after that after that evening. And he told someone later, "We're just too worried about proving we're right." Well, uh, again, that that was right here at College View where that happened. And so it's not just some extreme cases off in some distant place. In local congregations everywhere, there are people who have a very soft attitude toward denominations and the erroneous doctrines that they teach. Yes. Um, and why would uh, why would we think that the Apostle Paul, for instance, wouldn't expose false doctrine or false practice? He was very vocal about that and, and encouraged others to do the same. Um, we've uh, you know it's it's ridiculous that we wouldn't want to do that. John said, Second John verse nine: Whosoever transgresses and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. Notice, how could we have fellowship with these people when John plainly says, if they're not abiding in the doctrine of Christ, they are, they do not have God. Ephesians 5, verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Well, how can we reprove the, the dom, denominational doctrinal error if we're not teaching on it and exposing yeah. it for what it is? Yeah. We got a number of emails today on, on these topics. Yep. Let's, let's go to some of those. Chris too. in the U.K. It's been a long time since we heard from Chris. Thanks oh, for I thought Oh, I thought that was a different Chris. That uh, was... uh, Chris in the U.K. Oh, it is Chris. Good. Yeah, Good thanks. to hear from you, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Tolerance is the allowance of someone else to hold an opinion or idea that you disagree with or even hate. Do you fir- uh, do first you cannot tolerate and accept some, something at the same time? So, so you first cannot tolerate and accept something at the same time. Anyway, Jude 3 tells us two things. One is the faith once handed uh, uh, to all the saints, uh, so not really changeable then by the sound of it. And to contend should be read fight hard and that is definitely not passively accept or stand by whilst someone disagrees with you. It is 
in the words of Galatians, not tolerate them even for an hour, but point out their error and guard against it. It only takes a little leaven to leaven the whole lump. Thanks, Chris, for that. I think that's a really, I, I really like Chris's reference to Galatians chapter 2. Uh, Paul was talking about some false teachers that he encountered in Jerusalem. And he said in chapter 2 of Galatians, verse 5, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. And actually, the context of that, you, you know what the point of controversy was over circumcision? Yeah. Somebody said, oh, well, What's that that's, matter? A, that's not a big deal, is it? Hey, he, you do it that way, I'll do it this way. We can just all get along. Paul says, not for an hour. Right. Good, good good point, Chris. Thank you, Chris. And uh, Jim up in Kentucky says the scriptures are given to instruct and teach. They do so th- by both positive and negative ways. Uh, they direct one towards an understanding of the gospel by revealing truth and rebuking error. He references 2 Timothy 3.16 through chapter 4, verse 2. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, well, he goes uh, on there a little, oh, okay. a little bit. By either outright accepting Jim. denominational error as a means of compromise or seeking concepts of grace and unity with denominations is simply denying the truth for man's acceptance. In so doing, we leave the purity of Christ's gospel and fall by the wayside into man's error. You cannot mix the purity of the gospel with man's doctrine and remain pure in Christ. All right. Good. Uh, Thank you, Jim. Jim. Wade in Hampshire, Tennessee, says, We know that Jude 3 tells us that the scriptures were given once for all. There will be no change in God's word. It's up to man to conform his life to God's will. Uh, that being said, the devil has done a great job of convincing men that change is okay. It's it's not about God, but about what you like and what's appealing to the senses of men. And then don't debate it because it's all just opinion and everybody's going to heaven anyway as long as they believe in Jesus. <laughs> I think, Wade, you're, I think you're right, Wade. Wade. Appreciate that email tonight. Kent uh, in Calhoun, Georgia says, A lack of preaching and teaching on biblical distinctives regarding the New Testament church, its nature, identity, worship, and work has produced individuals who have no idea as to what it, that constitutes or what to what constitutes the church one reads about in the Bible. Such brings about tolerance and acceptance of denominational groups and the false doctrines that they advocate. When those who have been subjected to a compromised approach hear plain Bible preaching, they just simply cannot stand it. Thank you, Kent, uh, for your email tonight. And we are over time for a break. When we get back, we'll continue the discussion. And a closely related it's thing. related, yeah. Uh, subjective rather than objective faith. That's, that's a very popular subjective faith, what I feel. Uh, it's really it's really changing things in a bad way. And it's very rev- prevalent and rampant in our society. It's impacting the church. It may be impacting you. You know, we talk about these things. There's no use talking about them unless we do a little bit of self-evaluation. Could the trends of our society be affecting me? And we need to look at that as we discuss these things tonight. Don't go anywhere. The Worship Bible Day will continue right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Do you remember when elders, deacons, preachers, and Bible class teachers and all church members had strong commitment to the Word? Do you recall when you can always count on book, chapter, and verse preaching from the pulpit? Can you think back to a time when Christians were known as people of the book because they knew their Bible so well? We're still trying to be a church like the church you read about in the Bible. And we're still doing the same things you remember from way back when. Are you longing for a return to the way things used to be? Come and visit. See it for yourself. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Temper is what gets most of us into trouble. Pride is what keeps us there. Hot words never resulted in cool judgment. When a man is wrong and won't admit it, he always becomes angry. Man, wish I'd said that. 
And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight as we look at modern trends that are impacting the church. And they could be impacting the church where you are. They could be impacting you personally. These trends are prevalent in our society today. We're told to not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, are you doing that? Or have you become conformed? Maybe just, you know, it doesn't take, like, total conformance. Just a little bit makes the devil happy, and a little bit accomplishes his objectives. Uh, is our society impacting you in ever so slight a fashion so that you become more like the devil would like you to be and less like God wants you to be? We're looking at that on the program tonight. Okay. All right. Uh, by the way, in the YouTube chat window, Anthony has put in a note about an upcoming debate, February 28th. Um, uh, Caleb Robertson, whom I do not know, will be debating, debating a fellow by the name of Micah Martin, who is a Calvinist and a Baptist, on the question about are we born in sin. Okay. Uh, it's a two-hour debate on February 28th. Uh, he says, look for Johnny Robertson on YouTube. I don't know any more than that, but we'll pass that along. All right. Uh, thanks for your comments tonight. And send them in in the chat room if you'd like to comment or give us a call, 877-381-4567. Before the, pro- the break, you introduced uh, subjective rather than objective faith. Break that down for us. Okay. So, very simply, subjective is how I feel about something. Mm-hmm. Objective is based upon a standard. Uh, We think that our service to God needs to be objectively based. It needs to be based upon the standard of God's word. Jesus said in John 8, 24, that we will be judged by the word of God. So obviously what we do then ought to be based upon that standard. That is the objective standard that we should pursue. But what's become very popular in the religious world today is how people feel, what they feel about something. Uh, and, and so a question like marriage, divorce, and remarriage comes up. And we try, we try to point out the objective truth of the Word of God in regards to what is an unscriptural marriage, for instance. And, and someone who takes this subjective approach just passes that off and says, well, I just, I just don't feel like God would would require I that. I can't see the, I, I, that. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I don't. I don't. That seems I, I don't get it. I don't feel it. I, that's, that. I, I just don't think that would be necessary. Well, for instance, we make the point that if you're in a unscriptural marriage, God would expect you to sever that relationship in order to be right with Him. I can't believe God would ever require something like that. Someone said that's subjectivism. Uh, and, and you can apply that about almost everything. Uh, instrumental music in worship. Well, I just don't see why God would object. Uh, this person is a very talented pianist or a very talented guitarist or a very talented drumist. And drummer. Drummer. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is drumist not a word? Maybe I made up a word there. I don't know. Uh, drummer. Kyle but, but, gets the vote. Is it Kyle? <laughs> it's not. Okay, it's not. Okay. Well, I'll make it up. Because I feel like I should be able to hey, make it. Hey, that's right. There you go. Uh, I feel in. like it's a word. Bring Kyle, us back come on. on track. I feel like it's a good word. Uh, but really, that's the idea of subjectivism. It's, been, it's very, very, very common in the religious world today. And, it's, and uh, of course, when something becomes very common, 
then it it affects us because we have to uh, uh, deal with that approach, and then maybe we become affected by that approach. We begin to think that way. Well, the other thing that's closely related to this is this idea that truth is sort of fuzzy, that we just can't really say for sure. It's not objective. It's not definitive. It's you may see it one way, I might see it another way, and that's okay. It, it, it doesn't. There's no way that I can know for sure that you're right and I'm wrong, or I'm wrong and you're right, or right, vice versa. And, and we wouldn't do that in any other field of endeavor. You no. know, uh, wouldn't it be? Wouldn't ki- kids in school love it if they could do math that way? Sort of fuzzy math. Yeah. You know, uh, two plus two. I, I feel like five's a good answer on that, teacher. She's trying to tell me that it has to be four, and I'm saying I can. Nobody can I be can sure. see five. I can see five being okay yeah, there. Yeah. No, we don't do that, obviously. Ephesians chapter five, verse uh, seventeen. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. It's it's absolute. It's objective. Yeah. We can understand it. We can know yeah. what God wants us to do. Yeah, exactly right. You know, on your job, you wouldn't. Uh, if if your boss gave you an instruction as to what he wanted you to do, nobody, well, at least nobody who wants to keep their job would be brave or bold enough to say, well, I think this other way would be okay. I think doing this is acceptable. I'll do it my way. I just feel good about it. You'd very likely lose your job over that. But for some reason, they they think that they can approach the God of heaven in that manner, and it's just it's just crazy. It's just it's out of bounds. Stephen in the chat room says feelings are fickle. Faith is built on the facts. That's, I think exactly right, Stephen. Exactly All right. right. Okay. All right. Uh, let's introduce so our uh, listeners. Oh, oh, yeah, we got our emails. Listeners we got, we got. have commented. Uh, Chris in the UK, subjective depends on, or depends the one holding the position, whereas objective depends on the position itself being true. Exactly. It is like ice cream needs objectively to be cream and cold. Whether I like strawberry or chocolate is subjective and up to me. But cream is cream and cold is cold, whether I like it or not. How I feel about a truth is irrelevant. Whether it is true or not is of utmost importance. I think that's exactly right. Thank you, Chris. Jim in Kentucky. Jim says, sadly, our culture is more engulfed by subjective means, how I feel, than by objective, what I know is true. It is a disregard for truth, knowing that all will not obey the truth, and thus man's ways, humanism, compromise so that all are right. Similar to the first question, allowing each to define right or wrong by how it makes them feel means there is no absolute truth, therefore there is no sin. If we seek only to do that which makes us feel good, we will never obey the gospel, for God designed to help us recognize sin, regret it, and repent of it. All of which should leave us with an emotion of shame and sadness at what sin did. It sent our Savior to the cross to die for us. I think Jim's right. The the approach of many people is, I want to feel good. And and so, you know, if I listen to some of the plain statements of Scripture, I feel bad because I'm not doing that. So don't don't. This goes back to the watered down preaching we're talking. Don't don't give me the feel bad stuff. Give me the feel good stuff. But but actually, God made us so that when we do bad, we're supposed to feel bad. And that's being that's people are trying to get rid of that altogether. Oh, absolutely. Kent in Georgia says, when Christ spoke of truth in John 8:32, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And John 17, verse 17, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. He spoke of reality, Kent says. The truth of God did not find its origin in the subjective thoughts and feelings of humanity. 
Truth exists independently, separate and apart from the human mind. It exists regardless whether or not we accept and obey it. When individuals base their faith on subjective thinking and feelings, they base their faith on what is false. Such teaching leads individuals and local churches to adopt virtually anything and everything that comes along. This type of irrationality assures departures from the New Testament pattern. In the days of Constantine, the church became little more than baptized paganism. In many locations today, it seems only a little more than baptized denominationalism. Okay. Well, oh, thank that's you right. Again, good uh, observations there. All right. Let's grab a break. When we come back, we want to talk about changes in women's roles. That's a, certainly a trend, and it's affecting the church. All right. Donna is in Mount Juliet, I believe, and uh, or Mount Dixon. Juliet. She's in Dixon. Yeah, she's in Dixon, Tennessee. Okay. She's got some comments on that. And we're going to get hers on the other side. We'll get yours as well. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Those who run businesses and hire employees are always in search of the best people to work for them. In fact, finding good people to fill critical roles is one of the most difficult aspects of operating a successful enterprise. Typically, there are two different kinds of workers. Some are only looking to draw a paycheck. They quickly analyze the job situation, determine the bare minimum that is required, and then apply themselves to ensure that they do only enough to maintain the job and avoid being fired. The other type of employee really wants to do a good job. Their goal is to please the employer and do everything they can to make the business succeed. They even sacrifice their own personal interest at times in favor of the good of the company. These people are the cream of the crop, and they are the ones that every boss hopes to find. In any church, you can identify the same two types of workers. Unfortunately, they are those who want to find the minimum amount of work that is necessary. They want to be regarded as in good standing, but they really don't desire to do any more than is absolutely required. A common question of such folks is, where does the Bible say I have to? They apply this question to things like Sunday night worship or Wednesday night Bible class. During gospel meetings, you need not expect them to be present because they don't see where the Bible says they have to. Teach a Bible class? Visit a sick person? Invite a neighbor? Encourage a weak member? Show where the Bible says this is absolutely necessary and they might consider doing it. Otherwise, no way. The other type of worker is faithful in all things. In fact, this type of member is not interested in doing the minimum. Such folks want to do all that they can to help in the important work of the church. Need a volunteer? Looking for assistance regardless of the job? Look to these people, for they constitute the working core of the congregation. They can be counted on in all situations, even when it involves sacrifice. Without them, the congregation would fail. God bless them. Which kind of worker are you? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm Arthur Haynes from Kaleoka, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight. Everybody, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, and uh, come and worship with us. Uh, find out more about our meeting place and time of meeting at thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeu.com. Coming soon to collegeu.com, Kyle. Yeah, which uh, hopefully we're going to do a test run this Sunday, but maybe hopefully next week we will have uh, streaming services up. So we'll be able to it'll pop up on our YouTube. We have to, re, have to probably be posting the link to subscribe to our podcast or the 
streaming channel on our YouTube channel, a separate YouTube channel from our virtual Bible. Yeah, class. but so, you know, and it'll be uh, a lot of people listen here may attend a worship service regularly on Sunday. Yeah, but they can always come back after the fact and and watch. Uh, and yeah, listen but to that's going to be a separate channel, as you said. Yeah, we, we've got our virtual Bible study channel, and then we'll have a, a College View. Uh, no. I don't. I think we call it College View Church, don't we? College View Church channel. Okay, so what we're going to do though is uh, we'll. Um, be able to have videos of our sermons now, rather than just listening to them. They can watch you. There you go. Oh, boy. A, that's a positive. Oh boy! Isn't that an added feature? Yeah. Boy, hey, <laughs> better get the web ready for that. All right. All right. So we're talking about changes that are affecting the church negatively, and one of them has got to be women's roles, changing views of women's roles. Okay. This is really our a our lifetime kind of yeah progression. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't have been heard of 50 years ago, uh, or at least just it was just very, very beginning 50 years ago. But, you know, some of the very liberal religious denominations began in about that time frame to begin to ordain women into the ministry. Uh, but now that's full blown in denominations the women hold every conceivable position uh, and and there's no difference yep. there's there's no hesitance to place them in any position in those religious organizations and sadly we see that even in the the Lord's church folks are beginning to have a different view and so you get announcements about women uh progressively being used in leadership roles and in teaching functions, not just over women, but over men as well. And so that that the changing attitudes toward the roles of women certainly has impacted the church. There's no doubt about it. All right. Um, and so, I, you know, there is a fallacy in thinking here that we all have to have the same role we all have to be able to do this exactly same thing. Exactly the same thing, or else someone is of less value than the other. That you know, if if you you get to preach and I don't, you're more valuable. I've got to be able to preach, or else I've got no value in the church. Right. Ephesians chapter four, verse eleven, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. They're not all, not all in the first century. Not everyone had the same role. Exactly right. Um, and we're all part of the body, and we all have different functions, and we need to accept that instead of saying, "Oh, I got to do this, or else I'm not of any value." Yeah, uh, it's it's not a question of value, as you uh, accurately point out. It's a question of assigned roles or ability. Yeah, even you know, it, it could even be ability. But in in regards to women, we're talking about uh, uh, God's assigned. Role. A woman might be a whole lot better speaker than a man. And she might be a better Bible student. I know many who are. But that still doesn't say that they can do what God said they can't do. The, the plain passages on this, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 34, Let your women keep silence in the church, for it's not permitted to them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. 1 Timothy 2, uh, verse 11, Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. I suffer not a woman to teach nor usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Uh, that's just pretty plain language there. And it, you have to really 
twist things to to get around that and say it would be all right for women to be in such capacities in the church. Obviously, people are doing it, and I'm concerned that we're seeing that creeping. That's that's bleeding Thank over. You. Yeah, we're seeing that. I mean, we get announcements here of some things that are being done in churches in our area where women are being put in positions to be over men in either leadership or teaching capacities and the scriptures say that's that can't be done with with the approval of god so donna emailed us and i may have mistakenly noted donna I think donna's be, in florida, she might be in donna, florida. I thought you'll might have be. to you'll have to remind us but i think donna's in florida donna says i see many women in ministry roles nowadays in our church women and men are taught separately in both sunday school classes and bible study my teacher's name is Miss Julie, and she is such a blessing to all the women at church. However, her husband has often preached in the sanctuary for Sunday morning worship, but Julie never does. As much as I love her, it would be wrong for her to preach, according to First Timothy 2, verses 12 and 13. I suffer not a woman to teach nor use super authority over a man, the man, but to be in silence, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. Okay. Thank you, Donna. She concludes, Jesus Christ is Lord of all, and that is absolutely the case, but... If we're not doing what he says, he's absolutely not the Lord of us. Exactly. In the chat room, Stephen says, Rita the Riveter, building World War II airplanes, started the mind shift in our culture. Any of you, I wonder how many of our listeners remember that old poster of Rita Wasn't the Riveter. Wasn't it Rosie the Riveter? Huh? Wasn't it Rosie the Riveter? I think maybe it was Rosie. I think, Steve, do you have to check that, Stephen? I'm sure I think Rita this, did some riveting, uh, too, but, but Rosie I mean, might have Maybe it was well. Rosie the Riveter, but I can even picture I mean, I wasn't around then, but I can picture that, that old poster yeah. that you still see circulating from time to time. But really what Stephen points out is that was really World War II and thereafter was, the, was when women began to work outside the home and a whole different set of issues arose because the – the old norms were abolished and, 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 and that, and that again has been a long creep, a drift, as we were saying earlier, that we've been drifting away from a solid footing on the role of women ever since then. <laughs> Stephen says Rosie was and Rita were sisters. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah, thank you for that, Stephen. Um, Chris in the UK says it comes back to once for all delivered to the saints. He's referencing Jude verse three. If it is different now, then were the first century saints sinning, or are we sinning by that change? And Chris makes a, a logical point here. Was it right then, or is it right now? Were Boy, they sinning then? Be right. Yeah. Okay, okay. good point. Uh, Jim in Kentucky says, The feminist movement of the late 1960s and early 70s persuaded society that being a stay-at-home mother was being disrespectful to women who are equal in every way to men. Patriarchy is an evil word today as liberals seek to redefine roles in society, and as such will eventually infect the church. Liberal churches have already expanded the role of women into every aspect of public worship, though there's no scriptural evidence for such. They ignore the qualifications of deacons and elders, suggesting, uh, as uh, Charles Holt uh, movement of the 1980s did, that such scriptures simply speak of elders as meaning older Christians, both male and female. Women in the workplace, gaining upward momentum and positions of influence of others, find it easy to translate it into seeking the same positions in a local church. I think you're right, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Kent in Georgia says the elevation of society as the standard for our thinking has caused individuals and local churches to abandon New Testament teaching regarding the distinctive roles of both men and women. The first notable change was brought about in changing roles of men and women in society, then in the home. 
Such lax, unscriptural attitudes have also crept into the church. It is now not uncommon to see situations where some groups claiming to be churches of Christ have abandoned the New Testament pattern regarding scriptural leadership in First Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. He references again there. All right, good. So definitely, I think that's pretty a classic example of what we're talking about. Ch- changes that happen in our world, trends that influence the church in ways that are not good. And the role of women, I think, is a classic example of that. All right. Okie doke. Uh, let's get on uh, to number four. Okay, number four, a, a really bad thing that's happening in our society is the erosion of marriage. And we could tack on to that, the destruction of the of the family unit. But yep. er, erosion of marriage, uh, the uh, of course, that has become... It's become very popular in our culture to uh, live together before and without marriage. Uh, liberal elements in our society have actually pushed that agenda. Hollywood, for instance, has pushed that agenda. That, that uh, having sexual relationships outside of marriage is, oh, it's, it's normal. In fact, if you didn't do that, you're probably some kind of freaky weirdo. Uh, uh, and, and again, that's been impacting the the thinking of people even in the church that the the point that marriage has not been held in honor as it should be all right absolutely and so what kind of impacts do we see in the church well for one thing we see a very uh, 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 a more lax attitude toward divorce and remarriage yep. uh, uh, and uh, again going back to what we talked about earlier watering down of the message of the scripture on that uh, I've even heard preachers in churches of Christ say, I don't, I don't, I don't want to preach on divorce and remarriage. That's too, com- that's too, uh, controversial. You know, I'm not going to preach on that. So we're not preaching again the whole counsel of God because in society, there's been a trend away from the solid respect for marriage that the scriptures teach. And we see it. We see it affecting even some who won't even preach on that anymore. Could we see it in less drastic ways, you suppose, in the church? Could there be less emphasis on the value of the family? Less sure. em- em- emphasis on making the family strong, making the family uh, follow the pattern that, that God has presented in his work? And I think that our society doesn't value marriage, and so that may drift into our church, into, into the teaching as well. Yeah, and and historically, that's always a devastating uh, uh trend in in civilizations uh it's bad in the church it affects our whole culture not just not just in the church but our whole society is reeling from the destruction of the family unit and of course it's rooted in a disrespect for marriage Uh, but that's always been so a guy named gibbons wrote the famous work the decline the decline and fall of the roman empire and he he noted several key elements that led to the demise of rome and he lists as one of them the disintegration of the family unit all right now maybe we don't uh, overtly state this in our teaching and so forth but i'm gonna, i i suggest that there is a, there's going to be a common theme in the next two uh points you make is this one as well and that is our teaching and our the society's view of it's all about me. We see that influencing the church as well. And when 
anyone in a family relationship takes that attitude on and accepts what society is telling us, that it's all about me and it's about me being happy, well, we've talked about it really in a lot of these points so far tonight, that's going to inf- inf- infect the, the, the thinking of yeah. how we view our family. Yeah, I think you're right. All right. Uh, Dwight says homosexual couples raising children is breaking down the family. Thank no, you for that. Oh, for sure. I mean, you couldn't hardly think of a more drastic example of that, I suppose. All right. Uh, Chris in the U.K. says Jesus thought highly of marriage, and that it was between uh, one man and one woman. If he being God, knowing the contents of the audience, needed to affirm plural or same-sex marriage, why didn't he say it? Probably because he designed, A, two genders, and B, heterosexual marriage for stable families and relationships, and that's why the marriage bed is to be undefiled and love should not be awakened before it's time. Thank you, Chris. Okay, Chris, thanks. Glad to have Chris listening in the U.K. It's been, as you said, it's been a while. Uh, uh, Jim in Kentucky says, uh, man is to be head of the wife. Ephesians 5 is Christ is the head of the church. Uh, that's looked down upon as demeaning to women. The concept of subjection that is, agreeing to submit to another's rule seems blasphemous to many. In an age where our culture is persuading everyone uh, to seek their own answer to life's questions and thus choose their own path, the Bible is being ignored and the consequences will be uh, yet seen as far-reaching. The weakening of marriage is one such area. Free sex or sex without consequences has made many feel that marriage is unnecessary. Yet all we have to do is look at society today and realize that many are not happy with the way life is. Instead of a structured society where everyone has a role, we have a division and destruction and many whose lives are unfulfilled. Uh, and many of those whose lives are unfulfilled are seeking a means to relieve this situation through drugs and alcohol. The consequences of individuals like Hugh Hefner and the porn culture have also done its best to damage marriage as far too many Christian men are easily engaged in porn through the Internet. Thank you, Jim, for that. I really think that that's an on-point observation that Jim makes. Uh, We've talked about it on the Virtual Bible Study at, at length, but we want to emphasize it even more. That one of the one of the factors that is eroding marriage is uh, pornography, right. addiction to pornography, the 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 easy access to pornography yep. via the internet. It's devastating hey, the marriage and relationship. You know, we can sit back and look and say, oh, marriages are being eroded. Uh, it, it starts with your marriage. It starts with your family. Yeah. And you 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 are in control of your family. Make sure that it's not eroded by the things that Jim has mentioned here in his his message tonight. Randy in the chat room references Matthew three verses uh, Matthew nineteen verses three through six. So the Pharisees came to him, tempting him, and saying to him, "Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause?" And he answered and said to them, "Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause, a man shall leave father and mother and cling to his wife, and the two of them shall be one flesh. Therefore, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together." Let not man separate. Simple truth from the Word of God. Exactly right. And Kent in Calhoun, Georgia says, Compromise regarding the new, what the New Testament teaches regarding marriage, divorce, and remarriage leads to erosion in marriage and the destruction of the home. Matthew 5.32, Matthew 19.9. Regardless of how popular some preachers are, the Scriptures still teach one man for one, uh, one woman for one man for life. The only exception to that divine requirement is that the innocent party and the only and only the innocent party has the right to divorce a mate guilty of fornication and form a second marriage. Even then, the remarriage must be to a qualified marriage partner. 
Okay, very good. Thank you, Jim. Let's grab a quick break, and when we come back, we'll go yes. to the top of the hour. We're going to talk about gimmick-based evangelism and contemporary worship. Ah, boy. All right, some, some important things coming up. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the Virtual Bible Study right after these important messages. Misconception number 56. The folks at College View Church of Christ aren't led by the Spirit. They're afraid of Him. Some people say this, but it's simply not true. The fact is, there is not a single thing we do at the College View Church of Christ without first getting the Holy Spirit's approval. Granted, we don't have healing crusades, miracle ministries, or slayings in the Spirit, but we refuse to do anything without Holy Ghost guidance. You may have been misled about us. Why not come learn the truth about the College View Church of Christ this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m.? Remember, the truth will set you free. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. 41% of Protestant churchgoers say they consume alcohol, and 59% say they do not. Nearly 9 out of 10 churchgoers, 87%, agree that the scriptures say people should never get drunk. But when it comes to total abstinence, fewer than a quarter, 23% of Protestant churchgoers believe scriptures indicate people should never drink alcohol. That information is via the Baptist Press. The Word of God says in Proverbs 20, verse 1, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible we're study. Back, we're going to the top of the hour as we talk about societal trends that are impacting the church. Uh, number five, gimmick-based worship. I'll tell you, we've talked through the years, Jacob. We've talked about a number of examples of it, it right here in Middle Tennessee of different things that some of these denominational groups are doing that are trying to attract uh, crowds. Uh, a, a couple of the classics that we always bring up is one church in Nashville has has put in a bull riding ring and had bull riding during their worship service, and and then of course every year there's more than one that has indoor fireworks on the Fourth of July. Uh, well, those those seem like you know uh, pretty extreme examples. You know, say yeah, well, yeah, that's 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 just that's some real out there people. You know, that's not us. We don't do that. But you know, there is that, that affects the way we think. We're, we're going to have to do something That's gimmicky. Right. We're going to have to do something catchy to maybe get the young people to come. You know, young people won't come if we just preach the gospel. We're going to have to do something different. We talked a little bit about that last week when we talked about uh, our, our young people and what they need. But you know, I think that would be, sort of be an example. We're going to have to do it different. We can't. We can't just have a worship service. We can't just have preaching of the gospel. We got to. We got to make it. We we got to scale it for for certain groups and in special ways. And you, it impacts the way that we conduct our evangelism. It's almost as if we have an idea that. We have damaged goods here that we're trying to pawn off on somebody. Nobody would really be interested in the gospel. Just just plain preaching we the gospel. We can't invite somebody Man, to that's a Bible. Not gonna, yeah, that's not going to get it. We're going to have to do something. Else. Now, again, understand, we're not saying that it's wrong to have uh, lessons specially designed for young people. We're not saying it's wrong to 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 try and reach our community by announcing special themes and so forth. But we got to be careful that we're not trying to... to to uh, in a sort of a backhanded way apologize for the gospel right we we sort of take this defeatist attitude well nobody's going to come if or nobody's going to listen to me if i want to have invite them for a bible study or or, talk to them about scriptural things nobody's going to do that so what i got to do is got to come up with some way of gimmick Uh, i don't want them to know that i'm wanting to study the bible with them so i'll try and so so we'll entice them with some kind of carnal 
methodology. Yeah. And then once we get them here, we'll we'll, we'll kind of drop a little gospel on them unsuspectingly. Yeah. Uh, actually, some folks I've heard try to use what Jesus did, feeding the the, the thousands. Uh, Miraculously, as as an example, you you bring them, you draw them with the food, and then you you drop the gospel on them, which is exactly not what Jesus did. Uh, if you read both the instances where Jesus miraculously fed miraculously fed multitudes, they were not brought there under the promise of receiving food. And in fact, in John six, when Jesus uh, uh, the day after he had fed miraculously fed one of the multitudes. He perceived that they came the next day in order to be fed, and he didn't feed them. So, I mean. How about Romans chapter 1, verse 16? Ask yourself if society and the trends in society have influenced your thinking. Can you say what Paul said? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Do you believe that? Or do you believe that it has to be dressed up and maybe slid in on the backside of something else? Do you have the same attitude that Paul had, that you're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Chris in, in England says, if pleasing people was how the gospel is to be done, why did Jesus let the rich young ruler walk away or tell a woman at the well that she was being unfaithful? It's because the gospel is simple. You need to repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. And no, Peter didn't need to include a prize drawing for his fishing <laughs> boat to get the 3,000 respondents he got. It's God's work and not, and not ours. There you go. Good point, Chris. Thank you for that. And Jim says, answer is, sadly, food and entertainment always have been a means of gathering a crowd. While many seek to excuse their use of such by pointing to Christ feeding the 5,000, they ignore the fact that it was him. And his word that drew such crowds who came not expecting to be fed. The bait-and-switch attitude of many, including those in liberal churches of Christ, come for the food and hope to persuade them to listen to the word, only attracts those who desire, whose desire is to have their bellies filled. Too many have grown up on cake and ice cream and have no stomach for meat, thus they cannot avoid sin and do not know how to deal with life's problems. We are told to simply preach the word, to sow the seed, and let it fall where it may. Paul rightly said, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. First Corinthians 1, verse 17. In other words, simply preach the gospel and let the power of the word change the person and not man's wisdom of offering food, fun, frolics, or gimmicks. Uh, he says uh, that we need to avoid these types of gimmicks in our evangelism. Thank All you, Jim. Right, very good. All right. And then Kent says, a gimmick is nothing more than a tricky device or means. When gimmicks are used to promote evangelism, the gospel is cheapened and oftentimes hidden within the social gospel concept. Back in the 70s, I heard about a local church that became involved in a bus ministry. This group, to promote attendance at the worship assemblies, gave away a new bike. They baptized the bike so the one that won the bike could have a Christian bike. Oh, man. And that's something. Yeah. I mean, look at, I mean, you get involved in gimmicks. Look at all the silly things you do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, real quickly, let's go to this last thing that we had on our list. Contemporary worship. I, I don't know. That, that whole nomenclature is, is annoying to me. The idea that there's traditional worship and then there's contemporary worship. What do you like? You know, you like it the old, oh, the old way. Old-fashioned. Old-fashioned old way, that traditional worship. Or, hey, how about contemporary? Contemporary, Upbeat. Yeah. It's cool. It, you know, 
I, that, I want to be contemporary. That that description is just uh, that's in itself is annoying to me. But you, I think all of our listeners understand what we what what they are talking about when they talk about contemporary worship. Uh, it's it, and you can visualize it because you've seen you've seen videos of it, and so you've got a you've got basically a rock band up on a stage and they're playing loud, rhythmic, beat filled music. It's pretty cool. I mean, if you like rock music, some of that stuff they that they good. do, they're pretty Man, good. They're good. If you know, uh, and, and if you grew up in the rock and roll era, you know, why not? Smoke machines, you know, there's a fog yeah. of smoke going, lights. you know, Light lights show. are flashing. It's like a rock concert. It really is. And, uh, and, uh, and hello, it's, that's not about God. That's about you. Yeah. That's, it's, it's all about what you're getting out of it because God's not, you know, God doesn't care about the fog machine. According to them. No, according to me. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all about you. Oh, I mean, you oh, look I, at that. You yeah. look at I mean, but, what, but they would say, but God doesn't care whether we, it's okay with God if we do that. Yeah, but. That's to, what to, they claim. Yeah, well, right. I'm saying it's not impressing God. It's, yeah. in fact, it, yeah, but. But, but again, of course. It's, of, it's consumerism in, the, in worship. It's about me. It's about what am I going to get out of it. Exactly. I, I want an experience here. I want music that really, you know, gets down, you know. And, and uh you're exactly right. It's a selfish approach to worship. And underlying, of course, there's there's several doctrinal issues underlying, not the least of which is instrumental music and worship yeah, to God. Yeah. Uh, special groups singing rather than congregational singing. I mean, there's there's a lot there's there's a lot wrong with it. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it, but the reason why people find it appealing is because it appeals to self. That's right. Exactly right. Chris in the UK says, when you meet, uh, sing uh, to one another in Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing, not play, sing. Although this is a pragmatic argument, you can do that at a hall or a home, at the park or the beach, in a cafe or the town square. No equipment, save your tongues and lungs. I like that. Also, we need songs to mean something, not the 7-Eleven things some have. He says that's the same seven words sung 11 times. Or songs that seem to more like love songs in worship, and I don't need Jesus to be my bearded girlfriend. He is my Lord, Savior, and coming judge and vindicator, the sovereign king of kings. I would hardly go up to the queen and offer a high five and say, cheers, pet. Uh, why do you do that for your creator? Okay. Well, thank you uh, for that, uh, Chris. Appreciate those comments tonight. Jim in Kentucky says, like many of the things being discussed in the questions tonight, about these societal trends, this one, contemporary worship, is a determination to appeal to man and not to his soul. By this, I mean it's seeking to find a niche and exploit that niche instead of appealing to the need for redemption. Contemporary worship, updated and appealing to younger people, is just another means of change made to appeal to a particular culture. Mm. The preaching of the gospel is a call, a call, an appeal to leave the world and come to Christ to follow him. Uh, all of the things in, that we've talked about tonight, he says, deal with a determination by some to leave the church and follow man. It, the belief is, he says, that if we can just get them into church, we can change the way they think. But this always fails because the means of attraction is not the gospel. It's man's wisdom, which changes from generation to generation. It's an appeal to the flesh, not the spirit, and cannot lead to heaven. Oh, I think you're right, Jim. Appreciate that. And then Kent says, contemporary worship is not New Testament worship. New Testament worship is based upon the authority of Christ, Colossians. Contemporary worship is based upon entertainment. 
and the social gospel. Thank you, Ken, for that. Okay. All right. Well, we're just out of time. I think uh, these things that we've talked about tonight are really important. And, and again, I would go back to that analogy we used at the outset. We've got to be careful about drifting. Because if you're drifting, you're moving away from where you're supposed to be, and you're going to drift into a danger zone. And it's not a deliberate thing. Nobody says, hey, I want to drift. Yeah. It happens if you're not careful. And so what we need to do is go back to the objective standard of God's Word and check our actions and also our thoughts. We've talked a lot about our attitudes tonight. Yeah, yeah exactly. We've got, to, we got to check those and make sure, am I complying with what God wants me to do? And is the church I'm a part of complying with the Scriptures? Exactly right. All right. Good discussion tonight. Kyle, thanks for helping us get on the air tonight. Anything from you? No, it was a good study. I think we just need to make sure we're following what the Bible says and what the world wants us to do. So it's, just, it's a good study, and we need to pay attention. So that's, it was good. Thank you, Kyle. Dad, thanks for your time tonight. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for being a part of the program, and hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.